What if you set out to create a brand where the mission was to care for the earth, yourself, and the talented people making your product? Something pure, sustainable, and fully transparent. Well, my guest today did just that. After a magical encounter with one of the most revered families in the industry, Wild Common was born. We're going to hear the story and see what Lot 1 and 2 are all about on this episode of The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the show. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. And, and this is a very special episode for multiple reasons. One, this is exactly one year from when I first launched my first episode. And, and for this occasion, I, I wanted to have a, a, a special guest and a special brand. And today I'm here with Andy Barden, the owner of Wild Common Agave Spirits. Andy, welcome. And thank you so much for being here. Doug, congratulations on one year, man. I, I know you've been putting in a ton of work and it's it's great to see you turn the corner here. One more year coming right up. Thank you. Andy, before we get into the tequila, you're an athlete. You're, you're a lover of the outdoors, an avid mountain climber. You've had a, a very successful photography career, working a lot with National Geographic and, and many other clients. And most recently, like we said, you have launched Wild Common Agave Spirits. I want to hear a little bit about you before we get into this tequila. Have you always been drawn to, to nature, to the outside? You know, you've created this, this lifestyle of, of documenting these beautiful images from all over the world. What, what's the story with that? How long has that love for nature been with you? Yeah, I mean, the, the love for nature, I think, was inherent even as before I could walk. I, I remember seeing photos of myself as a kid and my parents would take me to the beach. They'd turn their backs and I would just crawl off just like crawl up into the dunes like a snake leaving a trail behind me. And I've just always had that slightly feral element to me of wanting to be outside and connected to the natural world. I've always drawn inspiration from it. And that ended up taking me out to Colorado to go to college. I then moved to Yosemite National Park to climb El Capitan, Half Dome, and explore the big walls of Yosemite. And then that led to a career spanning, you know, the last 15 years as a commercial adventure photographer and working with National Geographic. So I was able to be outside and tap into some other passions, specifically anthropology and sociology. So studying culture and, you know, what makes cultures tick and, yeah. and then documenting those things all over the world, whether it's sustainable black pearl farms in Tahiti or the Sherpa culture in Nepal or down, you know, the Cordillera Blanca mountains of Peru, it, it really meshed a lot of my passions, which was an intellectual curiosity about people, about culture, about place. And then I was able to, you know, get my jollies and climb mountains along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, get, and get paid to, to travel to these places and, exactly, and yep. capture some of this imagery. Yep. No, look, I, I, we were recently in, in Hawaii and just being there and seeing that landscape. I've got a five-year-old little boy and, and just trying to show him, man, the world is so much larger than what we just have in our surroundings and, and just being out there and seeing how vast it is. I'm sure for you to be able to see all these amazing spots, just to really have this awe of man, how big this world is. And then you really diving deep into different cultures and seeing just different people all over the world and how beautiful that all melds together. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, a saying in photography, it's show me, don't tell me. And, you know, I, I think you're tapping into that with your children. Now it's, it's showing them, you know, these places and searing those memories into their minds to be inspired to either care about the planet, 
to respect other cultures, you know, to respect their own bodies, to respect the environment. You really have to get dirty and travel. And I think it really helps give perspective. And, yeah. you know, whether that's through visuals and inspiring people to, to travel or to explore through photographs like I do, or actually going somewhere and, yeah. you know, seeing it for yourself. Some of, you know, some of the photos I have around my office or at my home are, you know, my family and I traveling. One of which, yeah. you know, is one of my favorites. It's my parents came to visit in Yosemite National Park. You know, I was a climbing bum and just, you know, doing what I had to do so I could live there and rock climb. But, you know, they, they came and they saw the beauty and I was still working and paying my bills. And it's just so cool to share that with your, your family. So you, you've done a lot. I mean, you're a young guy. You've done a lot. And now recently launching a agave spirit. So you got tequila brand. You got Mezcal. We'll, we'll talk through all of this there. Wild Common just had somewhat of a soft launch, not fully out. It, it's available just now, just on SipTequila.com. And you've got your your uh, Tequila Blanco that, that uh, just a few weeks ago already getting amazing reviews. The Reposado is going to hit, I hope in a few weeks, it's going to hit in a few weeks or so as it comes into the U.S. market. You've got to be so proud to see this go from an idea to now having bottles here. I mean, I see bottles behind you there. Tell me what, what made you start? What was this journey like to start and for you to feel the need that I want to start my own brand for Agave Spirits? Well, it, it started well before that, actually. So, I, you know, I'm going to back up a little bit. We'll come to the conclusion. So I, as you know, as you know, traveling around the world, I'm using my body, um, you know, on the side of Mount Everest of all places. And it, it's very physical work, the type of work that I was hired to document, which yeah. is traveling and documenting some of the best athletes on earth doing what they do in their element. And so I injured myself. I injured my lower back in particular. And I eliminated all alcohol for about six months. And I you know, was really focused on healing, reducing inflammation in my body, doing physical yep. therapy. And as I reintroduced alcohol and spirits, I just became very acutely aware of how they made me feel. So if I had a beer or two, um, I would feel like kind of inflamed or puffy. If I had a glass or two of wine, I would wake up you know, in the middle of the night, wide awake. And then I found agave spirits. And I'd worked as a bartender and knew about the beauty of agave spirits but I didn't really know this artisanal, really traditional stuff that's, yeah. you know, behind you on your wall as well. I'm looking at G4, Tequileno, Valans, 1414, yeah. you name it, the good stuff. And so that sort of just sent me down a rabbit hole of like, wow, this is a different spirit. You know, the terroir, the flavors, how it makes you feel physically, how you feel the next day. This is incredible. So I set out to go to Mexico and explore further because I'm a curious creature. Like I said, just, you know, a passion for anthropology and storytelling. And I went down with the intention of documenting sustainability issues in okay. the agave market and or in Mexico. And so I went down and I spent some time in Oaxaca, spent some time in Jalisco, shot a bunch of photographs. And generally, then you put together a pitch and, you know, you need some visual assets in your pitch. So this was sort of a, a research trip for me. And just scratching my own itch too, curiosity. And along the way, it was like, wow, like there are so many spirits here that the Western market just knows nothing about. And there are these yeah. incredible producers doing things the old school way, the really, really traditional way. And I think it yields a better product. Yeah. You feel better the next day. You feel amazing yep. during. And there's a whole other element of, of just culture and tradition that I just found really, really beautiful. So I came home. At this point, COVID has kicked in and things have gotten slightly weird. So the story gets curbed a little bit. But along the way, I just, you know, I reached out to the distillery that had the, the largest impact on me. And it was actually the first distillery I went to 
of all places, I reached out to a mutual friend who owns Tequila Matchmaker, and he linked me up with David Suro. And I went down the rabbit hole of who are the players making sustainable products and yep. you know pushing the conversation into the future in regards to agave spirits. And the Rosales family kept coming up as, you know, well, you got to go meet the Rosales family. Yeah. So I pop by and of course, I, I instantly fall in love with the place and the sights and the smells. And it just so happened that this bottle right here, Anniversario, yeah, was, was being produced that day. So, you know, myself and a number of other folks actually hand loaded the pinas into this earthen pit, awesome. covered it, you know, with agave fibers, covered it with dirt, watched it smoke, gathered around afterwards. We shared tequila, talk story. And it was just one of those memories. It's like, this is just a special place. It really is. And so as time went on, it, it just became like, well, you know, this is a no brainer. These are the people. These are the people. And this was only within the past few years. I mean, when you're oh, saying for before, sure. right before COVID, this exactly. is not like you started this seven years ago no, and no. it's been this long no. journey. Okay. Yeah. And so I reached out to them in particular because I thought I could tell their story. And that was my job, you yeah. know, as a photographer. And, and it still is. I'm actually holding, this is the September issue of National Geographic. I don't think it's hit newsstands yet. Still working as a photographer. So I've got a double page spread here. <laughs> okay. So I'm yeah. still grinding. You Brave said, the wave. Yeah. you know, Hey, are you busy? I'm like, yeah, I'm busy right now. Yeah, you, you've got a day job, a, a exactly. side business, a full exactly. business. But I thought there was an opportunity, you know, to to push the conversation further and use my skill set to help share the Rosales family, to help create create awareness about some of the issues going on in regards to sustainability, as well as these traditional spirits that we love so much, and and help educate the Western consumer, open their eyes, open their minds, open their hearts to both the spirits and more specifically the culture. And do it in a way that honors tradition, do it in a way that maintains the cultural components of production. Because I think like the further we veer away from that, and the more people think that tequilas should have certain flavors to them that might yeah. not be endemic to the raw material, I think that detracts a little bit from yeah. you know the culture and the cultural component. And as somebody, like I said, who's passionate about you know, anthropology, culture, and storytelling. For me, it was just like a no-brainer. I had to start it. It wasn't like, oh, like this could be X, Y, and Z. It was like, no, like this little burning idea is a great opportunity to collaborate with an amazing family on a fun project and work for years yeah. and years and years and move the needle and, you know, have a good time doing it. And so far we have. Well, I mean, just imagine if you weren't there on that day. I mean, for you to share in that special moment the trajectory could be completely different. So, I mean, just the stars lining up for you to be there for, for all the contacts to, to lead you to them and for you to be there is, is pretty special for how this all came to be. And, and to your point before about, you know, I was showing my son and we went to Hawaii and we saw the things yeah. like I went, you know, like you got to go, you got to go see yep. and it opens doors and it opens opportunities. And it was the passion, the commitment that Don Salvador and his sons and his family and their team have made. And what they have coming in the future is going to blow your mind. And, you know, they just, uh, along with these other great brands behind you too, I don't, I don't want to bang on anybody else. Yeah. There's yeah. And I love how the industry, there, there's so many that they believe that, you know, when one 
rises, they all rise. And so I, I love how a lot of these people that I've met in the industry, they really do support each other and they are fans of each other's different tequilas. And it really is a, a special thing. Em embarrassing story. So I had a question when I first started, I somehow got David Soros phone number, not fully knowing who he was at the time and 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 we're talking and the nicest guy in the world and he it's like dming the pope <laughs> be like hey i got a question and, yeah and so we talk and he's telling me about his brands and i'm going and i knew the brands but you know i don't fully know who he is and i go so so what's your part what, what do you do and he goes well i own them <laughs> and i was like <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, he's done a lot with Tequila Interchange Project. I mean, I know just as Casco and Chava and the, those guys have done. And, and and he's somebody that, you know, hopefully in this next year, we'll, we'll get on the show and, and talk about his story. But that was my embarrassing uh, rookie move when I reach out to some of these legends in the industry. Yeah, but, but hey, you're asking questions. And, yeah. you know, I, I think that's the most important part to to create more transparency is to to be able to have answers and to be able to ask questions. And we've we've made an effort through and through, like the story's honest, you know? Oh, 100%, yeah. Details are on the label. We're giving respect where respect is due. And a lot of that is a result of those who've come before us. You know, you see yeah. David Ciro's efforts, you see Mezcal Vago, you see, you know, yeah. other Mezcal brands who are just straight up about yeah, where it's made, how it's made, who it's made. Exactly. And that's really, really important. Like I said, you know, some of the other brands that are out there, you know, you don't, it doesn't even have the name of the distiller on it, you know, and there's, yeah. there's hands, human beings, hands are involved. Hands. Yeah, yeah. And they're making aesthetic, creative choices. You know, I feel like it's, it should be required or something. I don't, I don't really know the answer there. It continues to peel back the onion to just give layers to the story to where as people can drink this, this is not just something just to drink as an afterthought. This is something that somebody put a lot of time and care and love and effort into producing. And I think as we share this among friends, that's very important to to remember because this is art here. This is a huge just talent to be able to produce something that you've got here with Wild Common. Yeah. And I mean, look, I think it's just as complex and interesting as the world of wine, frankly, yep. you know, in terms of terroir and diversity. And I don't know how down the rabbit hole you've gone with Distillado de Agaves, with Recias, with Mezcals, but it is just yep. an incredible world. If you travel in the country and you meet the people who are producing, you know, you'll be welcomed in and you'll, you know, go to the Tabernas or the Palenques. And it, it's just this rich, rich culture that is worth celebrating and worth preserving. No, I love hearing the stories because I think of, you know, somebody like you with, with 1123 Casqueen or a John Bollinger with 1414 in Yayo or Chad and Christina Allen with 1579 El Pendio, where I think of, it's almost like you're winning the lottery. I mean, there, there is probably five to seven distilleries that if I was ever to make my own tequila, it would come from one of these small distilleries, batch of distilleries. And for you guys to be able to make these relationships, I mean, it does take us because they are selective. It's not like they just want to open their doors. They want to make sure that they are making a product for somebody that it lines up with what they're doing because this is such a big part of their life. So lo love hearing their stories and, and just hearing your story and you to be able to, you know, have the talent to further their story with in pictures. I mean, it, it's a really great partnership that I, I imagine in the future is is going to be pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it, it's a total privilege for me to be able to step in and, you know, help tell their story through visuals. And COVID has been weird in regards to being able to safely be there and document things and make yeah. short films. But yeah, all of that stuff's coming. 
You mentioned earlier Tequila Matchmaker, Grover and Scarlet from Tequila Matchmaker. They they do a f- fantastic job. They wrote an article a while back, and it was titled "How Not to Start a Tequila Brand: Ten Reasons Why You Should Say No." And I think I think a lot of people hear this, you know, these stories, and they go, "Man, I want to do this." And so, for anybody that is still thinking. Hey, I, I think I can start a tequila brand. I, I wanted to hear again. This I know this was a short process for you from a standpoint of uh, relatively the past couple years of seeing start to finish. But what was that journey like? The ups and downs, and what would you say for that person who doesn't fully understand what really goes into you know logo? bottle design, getting the trademark, getting getting it allowed here in the US, all of those things. What was that process like? And and you now today, what have you learned that you didn't know when you first started? I mean, I, I think it's like I think it can be distilled down pretty simply into maybe two takeaways. The first relates to creativity, creative work, or the making of something. And it it's it's actually by a skateboarder. And he was inventing tricks, and bear with me here. He was inventing tricks, making them up. Nobody had ever done them before. His name's Rodney Mullen. And this was back in the early 90s. And he talked about how the greatest obstacle to creativity is your own barrier of disbelief. And by that, I mean, you know, believing that you are in a position to execute and truly believing that you will make something successful before you've done it is required coupled with you have to do it like i have i have to do this like i spoke with the rosales family i saw this opportunity we both sort of made the connection like look you're a storyteller you're an incredible family you know of producers let's like we have to do this yeah and so there are no downs it's just a roadblock or a hurdle and like i will not quit and I've made a commitment to them and that's a level of commitment that's required. I mean, you, you're beyond all in, you're beyond all in, like you are burning the bridges. So no, at not one time did you go, Hey, this may not happen. It was, this has to happen. This has to happen when it happens at, you know, the level that they and I have agreed to, it's going to be as good as, as we're about to taste. Like that's the deal. You know, and so for me to have the privilege to be able to, you know, put Chava's name on the bottle, to have him be proud of it, to be getting 90s, 92s, 91s from the heavyweight reviewers. Like I said, we're kind of like still quietly rolling this out. You know, it's like pre-launch. The agave community knows about it, but it's not in like bars and restaurants all over the world. Because we've been we've been waiting for it. I mean, <laughs> we've been waiting for it for the past year uh, as we've seen the tease of this coming out. So right, but I mean, look, all the you know, it's there's going to be delays, there's going to be challenges, and you will get shut down if you don't have a thick skin and a hard work ethic. It's very uncomfortable. There's a lot of pressure on you, and it has to be something like I said, you know, like you have to commit and just believe that you're going to be successful in the end. So I've got three glasses in front of me. I've got two Blancos, and then I've got a Reposado that will eventually hit the market. Currently, as we stated, this is only available at SipTequila.com. So if if you want to experience this, you need to go to SipTequila.com and order some. I've got two Tequila Blancos here because you've got lot one and, and lot two. And normally, a lot of brands aren't 
having different lots to, to, I mean, they always have different lots, but to really make it something that is, hey, you want to get either lot one or two, come to mind, Fortaleza does a, a beautiful job of of building that that romanticism on those different lots. But you guys have done that. Talk to us a little bit about the process of, of how we're making this tequila for this Blanco and then why you decided you wanted to really feature uh, different lots and, and those differences. Yeah, I'm going to actually start the opposite way. So we'll get into process next, but let <laughs> okay. me talk about the lots. It's a natural product. And I think in order to respect the raw material and the energy and the time that's gone into it, it should be celebrated for its differences. And yeah. one of our batches was grown in the valley floor and the other batch was grown on the steep side of it, of a volcano. So stressed, yeah. less water. And you taste the differences. And yeah. I think when you look at the wine world, when you look at you know a 2018 vintage versus a 2019 vintage, I just find that interesting. And I found it very natural to celebrate the subtle differences. And we're not, you know, and since we're confirmed additive free through Tequila Matchmaker and yeah. chose very early on not to use additives for standardizing our flavor profile, which is legal, we felt like it was important to go the next step and really celebrate like Fortaleza does and Tequila Ocho for that matter, you know, yeah. got to give Carlos respect for that. And Tomas Estes, we felt like it was really important to highlight, you know, the batches and you can already see now in the forums, some people are running out and, you know, looking for certain batches. They want both. And some people like lot two better. Some people like lot one better. And so that was just a really simple aesthetic choice. And okay. I think it's like you said, it's a, it's a bit of a collector's thing. You have to really be passionate about it. Even to find that on the bottle, you have to be kind of a nerd. And it's, it's like, a, like a pencil drawing it's or something. It's a pencil. <laughs> I, you know, we looked, I had a silver Sharpie and we're like, oh, let's do a silver Sharpie. That way people can see it. We're like, no, no, no. Let's make this for the community and for the people who really care. It took me a while to find it. Exactly. It took me, it took me a while to find it's it. It's like, where's Waldo? You have to go yeah. kind of deep. But when you do, I think you're rewarded with, you know, an additional layer, layer of storytelling. It, it's just kind of unique and kind of fun. So I think those were the motivations behind it. I love the fact that since there are nuanced differences, even for what I started with thinking, oh, this one's my favorite of the two. And it then changes. spending some time it changes. and then now going, wait, I think it's actually this one. And and so, I mean, all of that, I think, are, are just those those parts of this, this beautiful story of tequila it is to be able to find what your palate over time starts to like. So, uh, you know, I, I do have both of them here. I, I do want to have you talk through that process before we get into it, because as you were saying, very traditional, but you're also doing some some different things here with different ways of uh, maceration and things like that. So walk us through this process. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the differences also show up in the same glass 15 minutes later as some of the volatility evaporates off. And I mean, you'll get more floral notes. It'll soften even further, specifically yep. on lot one. Or for me, some of the anise evaporates off and you get more green apple and citrus on lot too. And so that, again, like as a natural product, as you know, you kill half the bottle, then it changes again. I just find that really interesting versus- Yeah, if, as, as air hits if, it, all these yeah, things that get into it, it changes. Versus if you're yeah. in San Francisco and Tokyo and Cape Town, South, South Africa, every single bottle of X brand tastes exactly the same. It's just, you know, that's a more standardized product for business and growth. Yeah. 
but we're focused on the enthusiasts, authenticity, and tradition. And so for us, it's more, it's been more interesting to highlight that natural process. So to get into the process a little bit, I mean, we're starting with the raw material, which is very mature agave. And I'll, I'll send you some photos and you can link out to it on social, but huge pinas. I mean, I, I couldn't lift it alone, like no shot. They averaged 55 kilos, so well over 100 pounds. Okay. And just these big bears. I mean, you, you know, you'd have to hug the thing and, yeah, you know, you know, twist and throw it into the truck. Yeah, you, you, you got to protect your back, man. Exactly. Lower back. Yeah, that's right. And so we start with really, really raw, you know, really, really high quality raw material. And that's important. So these are mature agaves, high in sugar content, hand selected by, mm-hmm. you know, Don Salvador, who is the patriarch of the Rosales family. And then they're brought to the facility and split in half. The cogoyo is removed, which is a bitter element. It's kind of like waxy. We remove that, which takes a little bit of the agave away, but it's okay. And then we roast it in very, very old stone brick ovens for 72 hours, um, which is a long cooking process that converts- Low and slow. Exactly. Yep. Converts our starches into sugars. And then they sort of just crack the door open and just let it cool for another 24 hours. Let that heat come out. It just sort of gets a- sort of one of the heavier reviewers described it as a lactic barnyard funk. Okay. And, and I like that. Was that, was that Remy Newland? It might've been, it might've been. <laughs> Cause the way she can describe tequila oh, she's is the like best. unreal. She's the best. And so, you know, we, we let it cool for another day again, not rushing the process. And then it heads off for maceration for, you know, to be crushed. And that's either with a roller mill, which is much more efficient and gives a more herbal citrusy valley flavor or a Tahona, which will crush it with a large two-ton pre-Hispanic stone. And it's not as efficient, but it gives a sweeter cooked agave flavor. Yeah. And some that minerality. Exactly. Yep. Flinty minerals. It's Some people describe it, the word is petrichor. It's the smell of rain yep. in the summertime. You Absolutely. Know, the, that first smell where you're like, ah, like I love this. It's summertime. So just that real like flinty mineral smell and taste. That helps come from the mm-hmm. Tahona and it just softens it a little bit. I think it makes that on-ramp you know, not quite as steep and spiky. It just softens the on-ramp a little bit, which extends for me the experience. We do a blend of roller mill and Tohona. And then the Tohona fibers that were extracted, we take those, we throw them into our fermentation. Okay, so fermentation with fibers from yep, Tohona. In big concrete tanks that are super old and just funky. You know, it just gives a very traditional flavor. They've been around a long time. Uh, the roller mill product gets fermented in stainless. And then away we go to distillation. And it's two times distilled. First is in stainless with copper coil. Second is in a very small copper still. And then it ends up coming out 53, 55, depending, percent ABV. And then it gets proofed down over time. And and we left it at 42%, which I think is a sweet spot for most consumers. Enthusiasts enjoy the extra crispness, but it's not so high proof that your newer tequila drinker or, you know, just the newbie to the category isn't really put off by something that's, you know, 47 or 50. And that's just the Rosales family sort of process. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I was going to dictate because these are aesthetic choices made by Chava and his team. But when we decided to make a product, we did make the point of saying, look, if we're going to do this, it has to be different than anything you've ever done. Yeah. So what can we do that's totally unique? And it was like, well, look, let's blend all of these cool processes that you 
that you do and let's get the agave sweetness let's get that that herbal you know white pepper and citrus from the roller mill let's get those flinty minerals from the tahona ferment with fibers keep it as traditional as we can while bringing the price down a little bit by using the roller mill because you know full traditional process with a tahona is quite it's time labor yeah it's super labor intensive and this is what we came out with. And this is the Blanco, which is the foundation of, you know, the next expressions, we'll, which we'll get into as well, the repo and everything else. Same, same process there, for sure. Yeah. So when you tasted it for the first time, what, what was that experience like? Well, I mean, we tried it at 53, right? <laughs> Very it comes out experience. of the still. It's like, yes. well, we think it's going to be good. Let's, uh, let's fill the oven and let's bet it all on black. Yeah. We think it's going to be good. And when we tried it at 53, we both knew we had something special. And then, you know, as it gets proofed down and they do that very slowly, you know, over a couple of weeks, as, as, as we proofed it down, it opened up even more. And like you talked about peeling back layers of an onion, yeah. subtleties came out specifically lot one, floral notes came out. And in lot two, some anise and citrus came out and 47 seemed to be like a very magical number okay very magical number if i was just putting something out for you and i <laughs> yeah oh yeah all day all yeah. Yeah. day yeah but to bring somebody into yes, the category exactly yeah. but as we got into 43 and 44 and 42 it's okay this is this is where it needs to be and then we really let i say we but then it became chava's decision of look like your name's on the front of the bottle. This is a product that represents your family traditions and your distillery. You're calling the shots in regards to the final ABV. And that was the same on the Reposado as well. It was important that those aesthetic choices were his and that, you know, the brand honored them. Are you, which one are you on? Lot I've one? got some lot one. Yeah, okay, I've got lot some lot one. one. I've lined up lot one, lot two, and then the Reposado here. That agave just hits you. That minerality, it, it just hits you. I mean, the freshness... <laughs> <laughs> the freshness of this is just so crisp here. And this is 42%, as we said. So, and just a touch, but nothing that that's really noticeable here. I mean, our slogan is nothing added, nothing lost. You're experiencing it right now. It's, it is 100% agave, just smacking you in the face. And then the complexity that comes out afterwards and the herbalness, yeah. the tangerine, the citrus a little bit of almost like cloves in there or cinnamon a little bit yeah look this is if, if you want to fully experience what a tequila blanco can be should be traditionally for years you know this rosales they're going back to 1904 with you know the foundation here but if, if you want to experience what this really is this is amazing stuff wow look at it on the inside of the glass too it's like i mean very minimal filtration we ran it through, you know, basically what's required, okay. um, which is just a thin cellulose filter, almost like a, I don't want to say a coffee filter, but, but very thin to catch any solids, of course, you know, for visual purposes, but you know, all the oils are in there. Let's see this winter. If we run into some issues with the bottles getting cold and getting a little cloudy. Yeah. But that's okay. The, look, that's nature. Yeah. I mean, that's, look, that's, Hey, that's, it is what it is. If the trolls come marching, bring it. <laughs> I mean, same thing happens with olive oil. If you leave it out in your truck over the wintertime, same thing happens yeah. with coconut oil. This is a natural product. Like I said, very, very minimal filtration. And you can see that on the inside of the glass. I mean, it's just dripping down like honey, man. Oh man, is it tasty. Every yeah, time I just absolutely puts, delicious. <laughs> it puts a smile on my face and it's, you know, I now have this, this opportunity because I'm, I'm now shifting modes to, 
going and sharing it with people and selling it and going to whether it's tastings or events or whatever. And I've got, you know, my copitas lined up or I don't bring Riedel overtures because you just break them with the stems on them. But I used a lot of the Veladora glasses, the small like candle looking glasses that are very traditional for mezcal. And every time, man, I'll tell you, like people are just like, you know, I don't really like tequila and or I generally don't sip tequila. And they try this stuff and they're like, that is different than any tequila I've ever had. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, where like you're doing the same thing with all of the products in the wall behind you. I mean, there's such an opportunity to create education, I think, and to share. Yeah. And to share these traditions from Mexico and to share these spirits and be, you know, celebrating them like this. It's so cool. It's so much fun. No, that lot one, it it is special. You said before to collect and to, to have one of the first bottles off that first lot do you know roughly how how many bottles are coming off of lot one well there's about 23 2500 bottles per batch okay so and currently there's probably about 300 left (laughs) (laughs) we took we took a bunch of it and we put into barrels from lot two okay which we'll get into Uh uh-huh yeah and so there's more production coming and we're in the process yada yada but about 2300 2500 bottles okay you lose a little bit when you rinse the bottles you rinse the bottles with the actual tequila yeah and then when you put Mm -hmm. it into barrels you lose some to evaporation as well absolutely in a repo maybe 10 percent in an añejo you lose quite a bit especially you know you get into an xa you're losing quite a bit year over year for sure yeah and then we're going to end up putting out some and i don't know if that's something that you use or want but we're going to end up putting on some 200 ml bottles later this year so i think that'll be a good way for people to dip their toes a little bit try the product sample it and just get it out into the world and then yeah just a bunch more blanco and a bunch more repo coming this lot one delicious and and i do love that you've got two different lots because from the nose to even flavor they are different i do get on lot two man on the nose Oh yeah. I, I get almost an herbal. It's not a sweetness. Mm-mm. I get salinity, man. I get brine. You're like you're sitting by the sea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was seafood. If you had this with seafood, like a white fish or oysters or something, that would be killer. That'd be so good. And there is a different nose on this uh-huh. than, than the lot one. And yep. we've talked about that anise, this anise, it just hits you on, <laughs> on this, on this one. I mean, it, it really does. So now which one's your favorite? That's the question. That's what the people want to know. Tell the people what they want to know, Doug. <laughs> the, the, people don't care. the people don't care what I have to think. Get them so, both. Get them both. So I, I do think you, you absolutely, absolutely need to get them both and to sit around and to compare. When I started, I thought lot two was my favorite. And as I've sat with these a little bit, I think I go to lot one, both fantastic, both delicious, but for, for whatever reason, that lot one is, is what I'm gravitating towards a little more than this lot two. Now I like bold traditional brands, Caballito Serrero, Fuente Seca Concecha, you know, the Cascoin Plata, high proof G4, high proof Fortaleza. So for me, there's a little bit of a tease on lot two that feels more traditional. It's a little less sweet to me. Okay. And to me, it feels even more like a Valley Blanco. A little dry. I mean, that, that yes. heat, yeah. that, that pepper, yes. it hangs on the tongue. Oh, 100%. Long after on this lot two. But it's warmth. It's not like spice, right? 
I remember tasting Fuente Seca Concecha 2013 versus 2018 side by side, uh, actually with our friend Remy Newland. And we were having just a hoot, just like, wait, I think I like this one better. Hold on. It's changed. I think I <laughs> yeah. like this one better. And again, so like pre-revenue, before we started selling, these were aesthetic choices we made. We made a couple other that I want to come back to as well and share with you about some sustainability stuff we're doing. But these were choices we made as a brand as, you know, these are values. And the fact that you and I are comparing and we're talking terroir, we're talking tasting notes, we're treating it like an, the elevated spirit that it is. Yeah. That was important. And I feel like it's appropriate. Well, and you throw in this other factor that everyone's palate's different. And yes. people pick up different things and people gravitate towards different things. So there's a, a full spectrum of conversation that could be had as you're sitting around with friends that are, are sipping both of these lots. So I excited to see as you sharpen that pencil to get lot lot three and lot four and, and all of those different lots as yep. this continues with these Blancos. But yeah, definitely you want to pick up both of these. And you know, this is going to turn into a sip tequila commercial, but but they are the only place that you can get this right now. And they do a phenomenal job getting it to you. And I've seen just on social media, so many people have been excited to open up their boxes to to finally have this. And to celebrate this with you. So both of these Blancos, really delicious. You know, as we're talking about some of these decisions we made as pre-revenue, meaning like, you know, the house is on fire, money's going out, but money's not coming in. <laughs> yeah. We took a chunk of change and we partnered up with a nonprofit called Sacred based in Chicago. Okay. Led by a gentleman named Lou Bank. And we partnered with another NGO in Mexico named Mazante. If you're not familiar with them and you're going to go down to Guadalajara, definitely, definitely, definitely book a reservation in their tasting room. They have okay. incredible distillado de agaves, ricias, mezcals, and it will open up an entire new world for you. I mean, if, if you love this stuff, it's going to open up a whole new world for you. So uh, again, we've partnered with these, you know, these nonprofits, these NGOs to donate money to rural Mexico to build greenhouses out in Ricea country. And then we're building one in El Arenal as well with the Rosales family to start agave okay. from seed. And so we're pushing hard on some of the sustainability initiatives, which specifically growing things from seed allows the plants to adapt to environmental changes. I'm not a scientist. So you're gonna have to run this by somebody else. Like I said, I studied anthropology <laughs> and photography. But I'm under the impression, and I'm hearing from scientists down there, that all of the blue Weber agave in Jalisco is from four mother plants. Wow. Four mother plants. And so it's a lot of clones, which puts it at risk of being wiped out as a result of climate change, whether it's a blight or, you know, a bacteria or, you know, hail, whatever ends up coming through with the changing climate. And so we've made a real hard push to invest early on to help support producers and farmers with seeds that are adapting to the changing climate as well. Mixed with some other choices, you know, we've got natural cork, we're using recycled glass, we're using natural yeah. wood. I mean, we're we're trying to put our money where our mouth is yeah. and make intelligent choices for the long term of the brand. 
Well, the foundation here is sustainability and transparency. I mean, just when you said, Correct. you know, nothing, nothing added, nothing lost. I mean, you guys are, this is just pure. When you think of what Chava is doing, it, it, the word pure comes to mind because this is just a, a pure spirit here. These Blancos delicious. You do have some in a barrel. So I do want to hear about this Reposado. I am fortunate enough, both lots delicious. I am fortunate enough to, to have gotten my hand on a little of this Reposado. It will be out shortly in the next coming weeks. But this, you said this was lot two that you decided to use to put into the barrel? Yep. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about, was there any thought process in that or? Yeah, no, I mean, it's all intentional and it's all collaborative and there's a lot of brainstorming and spitballing under fruit, okay. under fruit trees while sipping tequila at, at the distillery, which I hope, you know, you get to experience soon. But yeah, you know, look, you go down there, man, it's, it's about slowing down. It's about connecting with people, you know, family, culture, church is, is how Mexico rolls. And so you slow down, you have conversations, you talk story, you laugh, you eat food, you sip tequila, building relationships. Exactly. And they're, they're real relationships. And over time, you know, it's like, oh, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And so this came after many, many conversations about what we thought a good repo would be. And that's an agave forward profile that highlights the raw material. We don't want the wood to steal the show. And I think that we've done that. So we took Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels and we put our Blanco tequila in them for 100 days and 100 nights. Okay. (laughs) And uh, we popped the top. And this is what we got. This comes in at 43% ABV. I find it, you know, very agave forward. And I don't want to create inception. I'll let you <laughs> yeah. tell me what you taste. So you, why don't you tell me what you taste before I tell you what, what I taste? So it's very light. I did not know how long you were aging it. It, it, is, it is absolutely very light. I think... At this point, Chava is just showing off of of his talent of what he can do. And I think he is uh, really telling a story of how well agave and the barrel can be married together when it's done with, with love and care. So very, very light. That agave is still there. For me, everyone's palate's different. But for me, there's almost this underlying sweetness that I get. Mm-hmm. That there's... Yep. I mean, that agave is there. All that hits you. You say 43%. I do not notice it really... No, at all. No, it's it's it, like I said, it's like the blanco, but it's almost like the corners have been rounded off of it. You know? Yeah, agave is still there. There, this is just nuanced with these flavors of this barrel, but there is a natural sweetness for me that just kind of hits closer to that back end, a little bit of linger on the tongue, but th- this right here is is absolutely amazing. So I got caramel. Yep. Chocolate. A little bit of like coffee in the mid palate, and then for me, I get some cinnamon at the end. But it, out of the it gate, war- it's warms agave. You up a little bit. Yep, out of the gate, it's agave. It's agave on the tongue, on the nose, and then it dips into some other little complexities. And like I said, if you let this sit, like let's just say you're whatever having a dinner party or something, you go to do the dishes, you put your glass down. If you let this sit for fifteen or twenty minutes, it completely changes. It it yep. does take time. I mean, I know this is a short call, and we'll. We'll buzz through the glass as an exercise. Let it open up for like 15 minutes one time yeah. and it gets even softer and more complex. Yeah. It's wild. Oh, I poured these. I, I, I tried it. I tried it right from the pour nice. and then 
I, I did pour it about 15, 20 minutes ago, just because I wanted to let it sit to see how it rounds out as a little oxygen gets into it. As it opens up a little bit, it does change with those, just those flavors. Yeah. Yeah. All, all are delicious, but this Reposado, I'm okay living in this glass. <laughs> this, this is, th this is just something to sip on and to experience. And, you know, like I said before, Chava is one, one of the nicest guys around. He was on the show a while back and just super, super nice guy, but just how talented he is and how humble he is to be able to present this to you. I mean, what, what an honor for them to, to partner with you and for you to partner with them to produce this, these Blancos and this Reposado. Are, are we, are we going any more age? Is there any room for Añejos in the future or are we living here for a while? You know, we've got a couple things coming up that I think will melt your mind and they are not further aged in wood. Okay. But they are going to be different than anything you've ever had. And then I okay. want you to stay tuned to what the Rosales family has going on because they have a project coming up as well. And I don't know how much you know or if you've poked around. Oh, you're going to go down there soon. Oh, I bet you get to taste it. I'm going it. in a few weeks with Oh, them. buddy. Okay, if things are going well and Travo sort of just, he'll put one finger up, sort of close his eyes. <laughs> he'll turn around and he'll walk away and you'll be like, what, does he not like me or something? He's going to walk to his desk and if he pulls out some little bottles from the bottom drawer from his special project, man, hold on to your hats. I'm telling you. Well, I'm going to play him back. I this, am telling you, <laughs> This man. conversation right here. <laughs> he has a couple things coming up that will just knock your socks off. Really, really, truly. I mean, I agree with you. It is a total privilege to partner with them. And I mean that, you know, it is a partnership. You know, it's an equitable relationship. Yeah. We'll have more coming out about that in the future as well. Okay. We'll also have more coming out about our sustainability initiatives and collaboration in the future as well. So I hope we can have a follow-up conversation or even better, Absolutely. you know, meet at the distillery at some point. But yes, I mean, to, to be able to lock in with them and have spirits like this, it's just, it's just fun, man. It's so much fun. And getting back to your previous conversation, what tips do you have? You have to love it. I mean, you have yeah. to be all in and you have to love it and live it. And like, I have to do this, yeah. you know? No, I love it. And, and you didn't just say this. This isn't wild common tequila. This is wild common agave spirits, because in addition to these tequilas, you do have a mezcal that is on the horizon. And so talk to talk to us a little bit about that. This is your your ensemble mezcal. It sounds like you're doing some interesting things with the magays or, or the varietals that you're using. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was encouraging you to to go even deeper and go to, you know, this tasting room, Mazante in Guadalajara and yeah. learn about Ricea and Distillado de Agaves and the denomination of origin that is impacting rural farmers in rural areas. Because choices are being made on behalf of rural communities without their input. For example, in the world of Ricea, they're going to require that producers use 200 milliliter stainless steel containers for fermentation. Nobody has those. And most of those guys can't afford those, which means they can't yeah. be in the DO, which means they can't sell it, which means they need to keep farming and they can't sell their products as Ricea. So the further down the rabbit hole you go, I think the more respect you have for all of these different distillates. And for me, whether it's a distillate de agave or a mezcal, I, I, I see them as, I don't want to say kissing cousins, but they're related for sure. Yeah. And so, yes, we're bringing an ensemble mezcal to market, which comes from Oaxaca. 
from Joel Velasco, San Luis del Rio. It's an ensemble of Espadine and Tobola. And okay. we've made a choice as a brand, like I said, this is pre-revenue, to roll, not profit, roll money back into reinvesting in the communities yeah. and spending money to ensure that cultivation is occurring. And we're only using cultivated maguey. And so that I think is kind of rare where a lot of exporting brands are like, give us whatever, give us the rarest thing you have. And you're like, well, that's not sustainable. Yeah. You know, so we've got, you know, these amazing partners that we're working with that, you know, now have a bunch of Toblas planted from seed. They have a bunch of Espadine planted from seed along with other varietals. And we've committed to, to just using those as a brand. And I think that's important. Furthermore, you know, for every plant we take out of the earth, we donate one back to the community. And these are choices, like I said, that have been made before we made a dollar. And it's the DNA and the fabric of the community. I hope it shows that we care. I hope it shows the values that, you know, this brand has that is going to create a groundswell. And I hope people take notice. I really do. Yeah, I, I love all of that. I mean, congratulations on on getting this soft launch as as we are releasing this. This is like your child that you're now releasing out into the wild there. So uh, lo- love all of that. Andy, well well done. Thank you for, for sharing this tequila. Thank you for coming and being on the show, sharing. You know, when I thought for the one year, I wanted to have something special. And man, did we hit it with you and Wild Common. Before I let you go, want to make sure people, as we've said it, can, can find it, siptequila.com. You you can order lot one and two, and at some point, the Reposado will be there. If people want to know more about Wild Common, they can go to wildcommon.com and learn more about it. And then just for you, andybarden.com. They want to see imagery. You do have your own podcast where, where you're talking with different adventure lovers and, and talking about creativity and risk and all these things that just make life so amazing. So, Andy, thank you so much for being on the show, and congratulations with Wild Common. Yeah, and man, hey, I want to turn you know the gratitude to you. I mean, some of the conversations and and you don't know who's listening. You don't know. You get an IP address. You have no idea. (laughs) And I show up as Idaho. I don't even show up as Jackson Hole, Wyoming. But man, I've listened to so many great conversations that you've had, learned so much, so much just about like characters in the industry. And it's given insight into like the personalities, the passions that these people have, as well as your curiosities. And that's been really super fun to get to know you virtually through this thing. You know, we haven't spoken before, but congratulations on the hustle and the hard work. I know this isn't easy. This, you you know, I know it's a passion, but it's also work. And you've been putting in, you know, one foot in front of the other for a year now. And so salute to that. Thank you, sir. Salute. You're not going to quit either. You're just going to keep pushing. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going with it. Exactly. Well, Andy, again, thank you so much for being on the show and salute to Wild Common. Salute. That was Andy Barden and Wild Common. If you didn't hear me say it 12 times during the show, Wild Common is only available at SipTequila.com, which is my favorite place to order tequila from. Thank you for listening. It's been an honor to release 27 episodes this first year. I hope you take the time to listen to them as my guests have always had great information to share. Thank you to everyone who's rated and reviewed the show on Apple podcast. If you haven't, would you consider taking 30 to 60 seconds and leaving a review or a rating? It validates that you're finding value in the show and it helps other new listeners discover the agave social club podcast. I'm Doug price. And thanks for listening. <laughs>